Welcome to the Flicky Podcast, where even good movies get better reviews. I am your host, Chris, and I am joined by the King of Queens and the star of the Flicky Podcast, Mr. John. How you doing, boy? I'm all right, man. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. Nothing much going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you, before we go into this week's episode, which will be on the 2016 Best Picture winner, Moonlight, do you want to do mm-hmm. some uh, business or... Um, some updated news about a movie we talked about last week. What movie was that? Fast. Fast 10. Oh, they hired yes. A director. Okay. Um, I, that, that's really funny. My, my brother, I, I mentioned on the podcast and my brother would know all that shit and he mm-hmm. brought it up to me. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't mention the, the um, new director, but he did confirm that the reports are what I thought they were. Oh, yeah. Is that the issue is Vin Diesel? Yes, it is. Supposedly, yeah. it got he made Justin Lin scream at him. You really? They had a screaming match. Yeah. Did you see? Um, my brother showed me an Instagram video where like everyone was making fun of it because they were like Justin Lin's being taken hostage. <laughs> Vin Diesel's doing like a self tape. He's like, "Hey, I'm here with Justin. Like, Justin, how how's the shoot going?" He's like, "It's good. Yeah, it's good." And like he keeps like he's behind him and he keeps staring at him. Oh, like God. he'll flash him looks like this fucking guy i don't want to be here right now yeah and he's like do you think it's gonna be the best fast ever ever and uh just as long as like yeah whatever and, and the dude's like whoa, whoa. like oh yeah he said it like and it just cut out but like justin lynn is miserable vin diesel looks fat he looks like he actually seemed drunk or something but i think <laughs> but he's just being a jerk off on instagram and you and justin lynn was just absolutely miserable did you hear what happened though like what caused I, my brother was just telling me general things like Vin Diesel wasn't showing up on set, come, came late, didn't know his lines, was fat, uh, <laughs> not in shape, uh, you know, um, you know, basically all the shit that w- came out years ago, which is apparently why The Rock hates him, you know, yeah. supposedly, yeah. you know, you never really know. But the big the big, big thing that happened, though, is supposedly Justin Lin, when they were starting to film, thought the script was. Hundred percent. This is what we're doing. Uh huh. And Vin Diesel changed it. Yes, of course. And supposedly Justin was like, "I just can't take this anymore." That was it for him. Right. He's like, "I'm out." Yeah. I don't want to deal with this. Fucking out. I'm already rich. I'm loaded. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't give a shit. I'm a producer on this thing. Yep. Wow. Who'd they get as director? (laughs) Louis Letier. Oh, that's the guy that did the Hulk. Yep. And the Transporter movies. Yep. Oh boy, Had, he's done. Brought him in. Does he have? Has he done other big budgets that didn't like fail? <laughs> Come see me. I mean, at least I got a sequel. Oh, the that did those did make money. Yeah, those did make money, and that, that that actually is the kind of guy you want. To be fair, yeah, a dude who's worked with big stars on big sets. Yes, yeah. and he's not going to say productions, anything. and he's going to do exactly what you want. Him to. Exactly. Uh, Unless you're Edward Norton. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but that's why they don't hire Norton for these films. That's uh, true. Although apparently the thing with Norton, the big thing wasn't how he was on set. It's that he refused to do uh, marketing for it after. Oh, really? That's what I, I pissed him it, off. I thought it was more. I thought it also had to do with like he was like writing the script again, like he like he always does. Did, yeah, he probably did, I guess. But yeah. apparently that's what really set them off. Was like he didn't do the press junkets. He didn't want to, and like <laughs> they were like, "Fuck you. We're just this is not worth it." Yeah. Uh, now, had it made money, you know, it might have been a different conversation. But yeah, yeah. Okay, well... Oh, wait, oh, one second. Oh, yeah, yeah. We got our first five-star review on I- 
iTunes. Hello. Yeah, from Keep It Real. Yeah, man. And uh, so that we got... almost feels like a plant review. Like we planted that. Like the guy no. Keep It Real changed, uh, laid the five star. No. I'm already starting that rumor when it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I'd hope not. Yeah. Well, it's either you or me, or I guess, no. you know, it could be one of our friends. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. That is actually true. <laughs> like your mom or something. Does no, she my know mom... how to leave? No. She doesn't, right? No, no. My mom, I had to set up the Spotify account for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my mom doesn't know, my mom doesn't know how to press the input button to change the the channels right. to like DVD and stuff like that. My mom's, yeah, yeah. she doesn't know anything like that. And my okay. dad doesn't even know I'm doing this, so. <laughs> um I messaged my parents in passing. You know, they're not going to listen to it. So. Yeah. So it was just a five-star review saying that, you know, good job on the Forrest Gump review, essentially. And nice. I know the, the Forrest Gump one's going to be the most popular just because that's, you know, seminal film. Yeah. So, so far, so far. So Maybe with the Batman, but the Batman it will be saturated with other Batman reviews. Yeah, exactly. He's done Forrest Gump in a while, you know what I mean? Not a lot of people. So <laughs> we're retro that way. Thank, thank you. Keep it real. Thank you. Keep it real. And uh, keeping it real. And keeping then real is keeping it real. What should we call it? We also have new listeners from the United Kingdom, UK, all right. I just did a little uh, Australian there, but uh, <laughs> it's about time. I'm an actor, if you can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> United Kingdom. Wait, from it just says UK. It we just says I can't tell. I guess the you could. They could be Scottish or Welsh. Correct. Um, but okay. And uh, from that part of the world. Yeah. And what else? What do I say? Oh, we're on pretty much every uh, uh, podcast uh, platform now. We're on iTunes. We're on we're iTunes. On Spotify. Spotify. We're on Google Play. Yes, we are. We are on uh, iHeartRadio. Okay. Um, I didn't know people use iHeartRadio for podcasts, but okay. I, I, we're on everything now. Okay. Uh, Samsung, everything. So, you know, if you find us anywhere you find us. Sweet. Five stars. Share. Give and a review. Us. Give a review. Like, keep it real. Yeah. Make it nice. And if you do have constructive criticism, please. What's our yep. email? Flickypodcast at gmail.com. Flickypodcast at gmail.com. We'll put that in the beginning of the podcast this time. We've put it at yep. the end, but we haven't heard back. Uh, we'd love to hear questions, comments, constructive criticism. Or mean things that could be funny too. Or you can throw a movie out there. And it doesn't a, matter. And any suggestions. Um, yeah. Whatever you feel like. Sure. Or you just want to chat. Absolutely. We don't have an assistant yet, and we're not getting bombarded with emails yet. So. No. So we'll see it. Yep. <laughs> we will see it. Yep, I will. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, all right. Well, let's jump. Let's jump into the film. I'm glad we got vindicated on Fast and the Furious. It's just yeah. it shows our street cred that we know what we're talking about when we say the problem was. Yeah. Most likely Vin Diesel, and it was Vin Diesel. Um, <laughs> Poor Justin Lin, at least he got out. I hope he. I hope they don't like try to fuck him because he left and they won't let him work again. I, I don't think it's gonna no. happen. But no, he's too. I, I just I wonder think he's if too the well liked. Yeah, the, the studio is probably like, you know what, Justin, you're fucking right, dude. Just leave. You have dealt with this leave. shit for over ten yeah. years. Like it's costing us a million a day, but you've made us like five billion dollars. Like, yeah. You, should, you know what are they gonna say to him? Nothing. Right? Um, okay, so we're doing Moonlight. Yep. Uh, written and directed by Barry Jenkins. Yes. Uh, famously won Best Picture in 2016. Yep. Famously was, did got announced as the wrong winner. Mm -hmm. They announced La La Land, correct? Yep, that's correct. Uh, so that was a fun thing. Let's just get that out of the way because we're not going to talk about it. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, it was a dumb flub. Uh, yep. By two geriatrics. Actually, I don't... I think it was like the accountant 
who screwed up because there's like it's like who's the, who's the what's the big four firm that that does the I Oscars? Think, I think KPMG. I, I, it used to be EY, but now I think it's KPMG. Okay, so whoever the guy was, apparently he like took a selfie during the show, like right before it was like mm-hmm. close to Best Picture, and like okay. he's not supposed to be jerking around on his no. phone, like, and so he got fired. So like yeah. I, he didn't. I remember. I I only say this because I remember looking at the guy. He wasn't old. Like he was like a right. He was like a dude in his. 40s or whatever he's like a partner at the firm i think mm-hmm. um so it was just a dude like not paying attention like just get you know screwed up <laughs> um and i i forget who announced it that it was Beatty. it and, was Beatty and faye dunaway yeah and Beatty when he did we're already talking about it now when Beatty yeah. when he saw it he didn't you notice he didn't say it yeah he was confused yeah he allowed he, he, rec- he, he recognized he allowed faye dunaway to do it yeah because he was like <laughs> This I think is a screw up, so I I'm hate, not gonna take a risk here. And I, and I don't like her. <laughs> Sorry, I don't man. like Faye, so and no one likes Faye, so yeah. let's let's uh, throw her under the bus. And Faye's crazy already. Yeah, you know, so like she's already got a reputation. But even Warren, being fucking ninety, whatever he was, and like you know, just comes out of the woodwork every like eight, ten years to do something. Yeah. Um, because he's you know lived his life and mm-hmm. he's like there's something off here yeah and i'm not gonna be part of this highlight it's like the bill bird joke i'm not gonna be part of this highlight uh so so he's just like Faye, you fucking read it you want you want this yeah it's just saying because had he done it gone a step forward been like hmm i think something's off here but the, like he's just like i'm not like he was a pro about it yeah it's like i'm just going to slip this to the person that i know is going to say it and she wants a role again she, yeah and they'll deal with the aftermath not me i i don't even want to fucking be here um i think he had a movie was that the year he had a movie coming out about howard hughes no that was the year before i think was oh, it man uh, yeah can we talk about that for two seconds? Yeah, he, sure. Because we laughed a, at it when the trailer came yeah, out. Yeah, so Warren Beatty. I actually think it got okay reviews. Let me look. I mean, he's a good filmmaker. So Warren Beatty. He's very good, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, back in the day, he's made some excellent films. Yeah. Uh, and actually, he's an underrated actor, too. He, he gave some very fine performances, I thought, too. He just... I feel like he, he was actually the guy that get, that is such a movie star. He's so good looking. Yeah. That people are like he can't also and he's a good filmmaker he can't also be a good actor yeah um and so people don't even see him that way but like he he is a good actor and he's pretty um, intellectual oh he's very smart yeah. yeah 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 well he was he's like he was like the those guys that are good at everything he yeah. like grew up in a rich family super good looking really smart was like a great athlete got like mm-hmm. scholarships as a quarterback to like a bunch of schools ended up going to like and i think he turned them all down to go to it was like Northwestern or something like oh, wow. just academically mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like one of those guys super ambitious you know fucking took over Hollywood uh but yeah he made a Howard Hughes movie rules don't apply okay that that about sums him up and uh, <laughs> what were the what were the what was the credit I've, n- I've never seen the film I don't know anyone who saw I will it, never watch this no, no 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 uh critics but anyway 55% on Rotten Tomatoes okay whatever so it wasn't a good film. It was like whatever. It's probably uh, worse than that. It's probably worse than that. So that's the movie. It's famous because he's already like thirty years older than Howard Hughes well, was at the. That's time. what I was about to say. Howard Hughes died. <laughs> yeah. In his forties, right? That I don't. He know. was young when he died, but like at his heyday, he was in his thirties to forties, <laughs> and Warren Beatty was like eighty. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was literally like forty years older than Howard Hughes <laughs> at the time. That's insane, dude. That is a level of vanity i cannot even 
wrap my fucking head around. So Hughes, it's just balls. <laughs> it's vanity. It's uh, you know. So Hughes died at age seventy, but when the movie takes place, he's oh God, in I his. I thought he died way younger than that. No, but when the movie so takes he was place, a he's fifty, forever. and and Beatty's thirty 80. something years older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beatty is in his eighties, isn't he? Yes. So that is funny. <laughs> over 30 years it's because he's been trying to make the movie for 30 years yeah and, and finally guys like fuck it i'm doing it <laughs> like fought, yeah, hollywood somebody else yeah. warren you're not even a draw like it's not like i have to be in the movie because i i need my star power to for my own and film. Not only that, like that would be legitimate in the 80s they didn't even advertise it as like warren Beatty's last film it wasn't right. anything no, like I know, that i know it was like Warren Beatty made a new film that he's starring in, and he's Howard Hughes, even yeah. though he's 96. <laughs> yeah. And Howard Hughes is 45. And also, like, the, the trailer was weird, like how like he's in the gurney. and the... Well, I just... It just rem- seems so... I remember watching wooden. the trailer, looking at it, and being like, they're really trying to hide how old he looks. Yeah. Although that could have just been in my mind. No, I don't um, think so. I agree with so, you. So, yeah, that's funny. So already we've blown through, just spent a lot of time talking about the Moonlight fiasco. They didn't talk about Moonlight whatsoever. So what what do you think about William Hurt? Uh, oh, <laughs> that he just died? No, because I, I we went on a whole digression and then I just brought it up again. You're like, you want to keep talking about oh, William Hurt? Yeah. We didn't talk about William Hurt. What do you mean? In a last in past episode. Oh, you're referencing past. That's, yeah. that's an inside joke. When, when did yeah. we talk about William Hurt? Coda. Oh, yes. Yeah, you're right. With uh, because children of a lesser god. Yeah. With the deaf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we were just, rest in peace, William Hurt. We just went just on a whole digression. But but you know it's tangentially related again yeah. with the whole Oscars fiasco and just how <laughs> nonsensical Hollywood can be. Yes. Um. All right. So Moonlight. Correct. One best picture. Mm-hmm. One best supporting actor. Yep. Mahersh. Oh, god, I. Maharshala. Um. Maharshala Ali. I, I think don't that's want to say Maharshala. Um, also starring uh, Naomi Harris, yep. Janelle Monet. So, no, say, say yeah, Janelle Monet. Um, uh, so, p- in case people don't know about who Naomi Harris is, she's Money Penny from the new uh, yeah. James Bond films. Been a fan of her for years. I I became a fan of her when I watched yeah. Twenty Eight Days Later back in the day, yeah, which 20. I highly recommend people watch yep. if you love zombie films. It's a great film. Danny Boyle, Killian Murphy, Naomi Harris, Brendan Gleeson, mm-hmm. and I remember watching and be like, "This chick's awesome. She's such a she's such a badass in it." And then you, I didn't see her for years. Yeah, like I'm like, where did this chick go? A lot of like, British movies and British yeah, TV. Exactly. And then now she's really, it's really, really in the last six years. I mean, basically since you know around that time, Moonlight time. She's, a she's lot, been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, and she's a lot older than you'd think. Because yeah, she looks I mean, she so looked, young in the James Bond movies. Yeah, she looks great. She looks great. And, well, I mean, 28 Days yeah. Later, she was a grown adult. That was 2002. Yeah. So let's say she was... Uh, She's 46, I think. Yeah, that saw. makes sense. Which is she crazy. Was a, she was uh, she at least 25 in that. Yeah. Um, oh, and also one best adapted screenplay. Okay, yeah. Because it's, it's based on a play. It's based on an unpublished semi-autobiographical play called In Moonlight, Black Boys Look Blue. And it's by Terrell Alvin McCraney. Okay. And when I was reading up about this author, McCraney, uh, he wrote this like in a fever dream after his mother died. And mm-hmm. knowing that helps you read the movie in a way. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. This And this is going to be an interesting episode because, uh, you know, like we've talked about with this podcast, we generally 
with the exception of Coda, mm-hmm. but that was because we judged Coda before we saw it yep. and expected not to like it. So we're like, well, we got to do Coda. And mm-hmm. we said that before we saw it. Yep. So we had already chosen it. Yep. Uh, but that was, that was a, a good exercise. Um, you know, for the most part, we're judging movies here that we don't like mm-hmm. and don't think are very good and are otherwise either considered good or made a shit ton of money or made a shit ton of money in their cult classics and they maybe critically they didn't get good reviews so yep. I'm talking there you know cliffhanger and robin hood um but moonlight's gonna be interesting because i really like this film and i really liked it the first time i saw it mm-hmm. and then i was like well let me give it another chance and i watched it with my fiance mm-hmm. on saturday and i really liked it again and she really liked it too okay. and actually at one point she turned to me and she goes why doesn't Chris like this movie? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and she, I'm like, it's nope. good, right? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> nope. It's uh, it's boring as fuck. <laughs> I think that I think the movie's boring. Uh, okay. Well, that's um. So, let me. Can, I'll tell. I, I can give some. Uh, if you do, you want to start with what you like, what you think. I'll start off well? with what I like because I feel like this, yes. Uh, I'm interested yes. to see how this goes. I, I don't, don't want to judge. I, uh, I don't I, want to say how it's going to go, but I, I wonder if this will turn into an interview or, or a okay. debate or what. <laughs> I like the first part of the movie. And if this movie was the whole first story, uh-huh. um, I think it would have been an excellent movie. Okay. I do not like the second and third parts. Really? I okay. think I think the movie falls off a fucking cliff. In my, like, I just don't like it. Uh-huh. Um, it's not interesting to me. Okay. Um, I don't think it's done as well um both like story wise like i just don't think it's i don't think those are two good sections i like the first section i thought the third one was the slowest um i thought overall the second one was the best but Mm. i still actually really think there is a emotional payoff in the third one that i really loved uh so Okay, so but let's go through it. Why mm-hmm. don't we just go act by act? So this basically, we're, I mean, this review is assuming people have seen it because we, we can't really even debate about it if we don't talk about yeah. what happens. Yeah. Uh, but really, you can sort of, and this is what I like about the film, I think you can give away everything about this film and still to, and spoil it to somebody and they can go back and watch it and still enjoy it. Because I think this is a, this might be a, difference in how people experience movies what i mean to say is i find that this is like a soul experience this movie it's an it's it's a straight emotional experience for me um i find it emotionally compelling i'm emotionally attached to the character um as opposed to like you know let's say the technical brilliance of uh i don't know a Kubrick film or the philosophical brilliance of a Bergman film. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think enjoying it as a subjective, like soul experience. I'm trying to think of another better way to put it. Um, it really just hits all the marks for me. Um, and I do like the structure and I do, you know, there are criticisms I could find, but I do like the structure. I do like the kind of simple, journey that's being told um 
where I sort of know where it's going, but it doesn't really matter. It's not about that. It's not about what's going to happen. It's about me being along for the ride with this kid and empathizing or sympathizing with his pain and his plight and his loneliness and him discovering himself. Mm -hmm. And I thought the movie does all that really well. Um, yeah, I just found it. A re I, I found that the movie drew me in emotionally and kept me there. And that ran through all three acts. Like I really wanted to know what happened to this kid. And that even happened in the third act where he's all, where he's an adult. And I'm like, I want to know how yeah. this ends with him and Kevin. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where I'm coming from. But why don't we, why don't we start then with, with the beginning okay um what do you like what don't you like you know oh i i, I think the whole first part is is great I, I can't really um i i can't really criticize actually that part too much i think it's really well acted yeah i um, think the whole movie is really well acted yeah. i thought the kids do a really good job in the second act i think they do a good job in the third i think the guy who plays kevin the cook at the end is excellent mm. um <laughs> you don't agree I mean, did you think Ali deserved an Oscar for his performance? See, that's so that's weird. Like he bar he's like barely he's a, in it. He's a great actor. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But like he he's just a guy. Like he doesn't do anything. Yeah. He's he, just a dude. He's, he's only just... in the first section, and that's it. And yeah. And it's it's a strange. I, that's why I, I I found I found his relationship with the boy just the most interesting thing, because to talk about the movie, um. Ali plays Juan, who's uh, a Cuban immigrant, and they're in Miami. It's, the movie takes place in Miami, and mm -hmm. he's a drug dealer. To, uh, and what's going on is uh, Chiron, Chiron, right? Chiron. Uh, who, uh, in the first section, it's called Little because that's his nickname. Um, what's going on is that Little's mother, um, in the beginning, you she kind of has her life together a little bit it seems like she works in healthcare. she's a nurse she's I, a nurse I straight something up like that she's something yeah that has to do with healthcare. maybe and maybe working at a nursing home caretaker. something like that. that's what i was thinking and you know she has the they're in an okay you know lifestyle it's not rich it's not poor but it's okay yeah. it's getting no, no, by she's poor they're poor not poor poor though and not in the second the second and third one they're they get worse fucking poor. sure yeah so um, but she someone has her life together, except she's starting to become a crack addict. Yeah. And the interesting thing about that story in the first one is that uh, Juan ha is essentially a father figure to a woman he is dealing crack to, and it and you see what, a father figure to the son of a woman he's dealing crack. Correct. To. Yeah, yeah. I didn't say it like that. Oh, you said a father figure to a woman. Oh, my bad. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm sorry about I that. What you mean? Sure. Um. So I found that interesting because you know. Uh, just you know it shows like his uh his actions and his choices have consequences and he's seeing it right in front of him right and i i found that very interesting um and i thought the kid uh, who played a little was excellent mm -hmm. thought that kid was excellent and um so if you want to go more into the story that's you know that's cool with me but essentially little gets picked on uh, by the other boys in school because, like we said earlier, children are assholes. Children are assholes, but also it's mm -hmm. implied later that the kid, like, he... So he's gay, right? He's, yeah. 
he's by the gay. way i don't see anything gay about this kid but okay right uh, but he's gay and at this age doesn't seem to really know it one yeah. and two for whatever reason maybe because he's gay or he's strange or whatever mm-hmm. the strangeness is communicated through the way he speaks acts in some way in which the kids pick up on yes right like kids do and this is why he gets picked on i mean it's at least implied later that not implied i mean it's directly said by the mom this is why they kick the shit out of him this is why kids don't like him correct because he's he's this way yeah right i think it's an interesting movie in the in the way that it's different because there's um, i can't think of any movie where it talks about how blacks view um homosexuality Mm-hmm. and living on the down low and all right. that stuff and i that's that's an interesting thing and when it, before we just go into the story i think that's actually a good thing about how this movie was made and um that it actually it was the first best picture winner about the black experience in Amer- in america that they didn't have to deal with civil rights or slavery right. and i think that's a good thing uh you know that's progression uh you know, there's still yeah, it's a story. There's it's just a story yeah. about the black experience. There's still some gangbanger elements in this in the thing. Uh, sure, but it, it was it's it's, it's good about that the projects it, in Miami, really, yeah. right? So. It's it's but it's good that they made a movie that doesn't you know that doesn't have to do with anything like that, and mm-hmm. you know it's about characters and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I don't know. Uh, the other two parts just left me cold. I don't. I, you know, you found an emotional experience about it. I, I, I was, I found it to be very distant. Right. Um, but yeah, if you want to go on about the first section first. Yeah. Know. I mean, I, I, you know, it's funny. I, I, again, I don't have a lot of criticism. I guess the cause and effect wise, writing wise, the biggest criticism I could come up with is in the first act is just how quickly uh ali's character juan takes in the kid yeah that would be the only, and so that's actually kind of my biggest criticism in terms of because it is such a simple story yeah uh you know it's just following the journey of this kid everything you know one thing follows another the cause and effect is really tight i thought mm-hmm. um i actually think it's deceptively well written frankly mm-hmm. um throughout the film but that was the one where like he takes so the kids running away from all these kids he he runs into these pro these abandoned projects and juan is there trying to take a a, a door you know uh, it's insinuated I, I felt like it was insinuated that he knew the kid was in there i based off his reaction when he saw the kid it didn't seem to he he just seemed to be surprised how did he know who the kid was being chased then uh does he the kid didn't say anything yet so that i took to be um uh he so this is sort of where the cause and effect works under where we find out later right like you said juan's a cuban immigrant like he's an outsider Mm -hmm. like he understands this kid because the kid is an outsider himself yeah for a different reason Mm -hmm. and he just knew this kid escaped out of school because he says how'd you get all the way over here Mm -hmm. um so that's how I took that. I don't know because we never see any sense of Juan ever witnessing him run no. to him or whatever. No, he just comes. and Juan comes from the other side of the building where he opens a window. How would he even know the kid was in there? Because mm-hmm. the kid came from the other side, on mm-hmm. the opposite side. So, so that was it. For uh, so my criticism there being not that he found them, but he found them. And he's like, hey, you want to go get lunch? Oh, okay, you want to come get dinner with me, and my girlfriend? Yeah. Um, I'm like. Uh, okay so he just decides to take him in yeah 
he takes him in immediately. Yeah. So that was my only, and and then I'm like, and that was just a little frust not frustrating, but it was like an uh, one of those unforced errors in a, in a script where I'm like, well, you could have come up with something, and you just thought this was enough. So, but you know, later when you find out he's a Cuban immigrant. And he's basically an outsider. I'm like, oh, he recognized that in him. But that's not communicated in that moment, in that first moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, and, you know, that's not like a plot hole or it's, you know, I can buy it. But just as an experience, I'm kind of like, oh, this is straight. like he just took the kid in immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, like he knows him or something. So that was my really main criticism. You know, others might come up as we talk about it, but. But yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with you with the first act. I think it's really, I, and I think it sets it up well for the second. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so we, so should we move on to the second act? I mean, the first act, we're pretty much in agreement that it's really well yeah, done. Yeah, I think really it's fantastic. Good. I just, like I said, I if this movie was that whole first section. Well, is the quality of that whole first section. Yeah, thinking. even just the story. Right. I just found it to be a more interesting story. With him and the kid. Yeah. I would, I would have liked to see how the kid changes as how Juan deals with his decisions. Right. I just found that to be a more, just an interesting story mm-hmm. and seeing, and then as you see the mom just con- continue to go, you know, further and further down. Right. Um, but that's not what this movie is about. So I can't really rate it on that way. Uh, I'm not Armand white, um, <laughs> yeah. but you know, I just, I like that first section. I was, I was, when I rewatched, it, I was like, Oh, this is, um, this is, really good i might be wrong here um yeah. and then i watched the first and then the next two sections and i was like no i just don't like this movie okay yeah okay so let's jump to the second mm-hmm. so we move on so little is an adolescent now he's, he's a teenager yeah, so he's a teenager now they're actually not very explicitly supposed to be what 16 i'm i'm guessing he's an older teenager yeah he's at least 16 something like I think. that 16 17 yeah um, he's in high school. His mom is now just a crack addict, yeah. right? Straight crack addict, uh, like non-functioning to the point where like yeah. she, she's begging him for money. So obviously she doesn't have a job. Yeah. And he's um, not even a latch kid key anymore. He's like just right. kind of out on his own. Right. Um, basically he's alone. Juan <clears throat> at this point has died. Yeah. Uh, off screen. Off screen. We never find out why, although it's pretty, you know, it's, a, it's not even implied. You just... You're meant to assume he was killed. I'm going to assume he was gunned down. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. And so, the drug trade. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. And mm-hmm. it happened relatively recently. Yeah. Because people, kids are still talking. They talk, they mention the funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talk about his girlfriend. Yeah. So this must, this guy was known in some sense. And mm-hmm. um, now I know you don't like that, that he died, but again, it's, it's not, this is what I like about the film. I didn't find that like, oh, Juan died, so now it's a new story. Juan's death actually seems to lead into this story. Yeah. Because he's lost his father figure, and now we're watching him get picked on again. Yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. now he's even more alone than before. Yeah. Uh, in a way, he still has Janelle Monae, what, what's the character? Teresa? Yeah. He still has Teresa, who we can go to, who's a, like a surrogate mother figure. Um, who looks good in this movie, by the yeah, way. Yeah, she looks great. She's gorgeous. <laughs> um, so so now he's in high school, yeah. and he's just getting fucking picked on. 
yep. he's alone. He doesn't really have any friends. He still doesn't really talk, mm -hmm. uh, although he talks more. Um, but, you know, still a bit of a, you know, he's still that scared kid. Uh, yeah, he's awkward. He's awkward. Uh, but there is, uh, I found through the performance, maybe we're getting into it, a lot of anger in him. You're starting, and that anger bubbles up throughout this whole act. Yeah. Um, and eventually, you know, he has his connection with Kevin. So there's Kevin who is in yeah, the first who so, act. Who so happens to be the kid that was nice to him in the first act. Right. Yeah. yeah. He sees Kevin again. And Great. they talk. And <laughs> this will be my second maybe criticism of the movie where eventually he's on the beach alone and Kevin comes up to him later. I uh, feel like Kevin stalks him in this in the second scene. He's always he's always around wherever. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It, and it's always like like he comes out of nowhere. Right. Um, and he starts talking to him. He's always starting to talk to him, not the other way around. Right. And the thing is, how does Kevin know he's on the beach in that second act that night? They just happen to be. They had to be in the same area together. It right. seemed well. So that was even a bit coincidental. But well, I, I find that to be sort of like in the school. Kevin says like, "Oh, um, he was supposed to be like on the other side of the school though because he had detention." Right. For supposedly, which I don't believe, for that fu he was fucking this girl, fucking a girl in the bathroom. And, um, you know, he just, like, goes out of his way to find uh, Sharon. Right, so maybe he has a he had a crush on him from then. Yeah, I well, yeah, that's what I assume, and I think it's insinuated, I guess, he even had a crush on him when he was a kid. Yeah. But um, that's, that's, that's a thing I have a problem with. That's another thing I have a, a weird thing with this movie, that Kevin just is there all the time. Um, Boy, why is that a problem? That's, like, the I movie. Think his relationship with Kevin ends up being the film, really. Yeah, I think um, part of, you know, and this has to, and this also has, to, this is also a criticism I have with like the power of the dog. I would like to see a gay movie, right, mm -hmm. where it's not either of these two things, um, a flamboyant gay where it's like, oh, you know, San Francisco. Right. You know, I don't yeah, yeah. need, I don't want that. And then I'm kind of bored and tired of seeing just repressed homosexuals. Right. I'm ashamed of my homosexuality. I don't like it. Sure, but... It's constant with... Like, it's the two extremes that just... I I just want to see a movie about... Like, if it's about... If the character's gay and, like, it just living their life, right? Right. I would like that. I don't... It's just... It, it's always these two... It's an either-or story. And yeah, right. Like, well, because uh, it's a story about repression and yeah victimhood and go and having to fight your way through and life also and... if you read it a lot of gay people actually didn't had a problem with this movie no i know yeah that's true because it seems and it comes across that he's only gay for kevin that's oh is that feel. why they i thought feel... it was because of what you just said like they're well tired of also homosexuality and even criticize like um you know the, the it, it portrayed the black community as homophobic and and stuff like there's that there's that the the problem um, that the uh, gay community viewing this movie had with uh, is that he was only they felt like he was only gay for Kevin. Uh huh. I mean that that's the strongest case you can make for that is from the third act where he where he says at the very end it's the ending to the film where he goes you're the only man to ever touch me. Yeah, and I'm supposed to believe this guy through over ten years has never touched another man either through juvie through jail through you know his life yeah that's one of my 
other criticisms. I, of the I just don't buy. I just don't buy that he's never been with another man ever. Right. I just don't. I don't buy that. Yeah. I mean, you know? the, I mean, it it does happen. Sure. To be fair. I'm sure. I'm sure it does but, happen. But you know, to a guy who's single and living on his own, and oh, here's the other criticism the gays had. I'm sorry about this. Okay. The they they had a criticism that like, um, in these movies they're always gay for just love. It's never that they're uh-huh. they're gay, you know, and right. you, this is their sexual sexuality. Uh huh. It comes across as like I love Kevin. Right. Therefore, I'm just gay for Kevin. Anything else? I'm pretty asexual. Huh. Yeah, I guess I could. It's never I'm I just mean, gay. Yeah, I do. I mean, the repressed homosexuality. I mean, there's not much I can defend there. I mean that just in the sense that like that is what this movie is about it's about yeah. a kid struggling with uh his identity his identity and it's really on a more abstract level it's about someone being an outsider mm-hmm. and their identity is being denied or put down or attacked and mm-hmm. they have to live in a world in which uh they can't be who they truly are and don't even to an extent understand who they truly are yeah because of uh the circumstances of the world in which they live yeah um so that just is what it is. I mean, if you don't like the, that stories being told over you, and I, you know, I've heard that criticism before. That's fine. It just isn't the the movie for you. I just, um, uh, I have just never seen a film like this that approached it uh, in this. Oh way no, it's a different film. It's you a different I mean? film. Um, in terms of the lust and love thing, like he's, I didn't get that he's only gay for Kevin, because especially because. Kevin is not in the picture. He's in the picture for two seconds in the first act, and everyone around him already understands that this kid is different, mm-hmm. that he's gay. Um, so there's a lot of implications otherwise. Even in the second act, it's also implied he's picked on because he's eh, he's a little fruity, he's gay. Yeah. I mean, it's explicit. The guy, the kid literally says, oh, he's... In know, the middle of a classroom. In the middle of a classroom, he starts <laughs> making gay jokes. He's yeah. like, this kid's gay. Yeah. Um, so... He needs there, his tampon. So the entire world is basically letting us know, like, yeah, we understand you're gay. Maybe you don't even understand that, or you, you know, you're repressed and you're denying that, or you just don't know how to express it. Yeah. Or maybe you want to express it and you can't because you associate that expression with, with violence. With violence. Yeah. Um, I just thought, like, Kevin was the first person who he could be safe with as himself. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, there is... He's really the only character that you see is nice to him. That's a that's right. a child. But or, also, or his peer, excuse me. Yeah, but the idea that it's all love, I, I, I don't buy that either because he has a wet dream about Kevin fucking the girl and he's clearly mm-hmm. lustful for him and then they have that scene on the beach mm-hmm. where he gives him a hand job, yep. right? And that is... I mean, there it is filmed in a way in which... it's actually It's actually quite... Because I'll say this... There really isn't any sexual tension between him and Kevin, which I thought, which I actually liked. It was all emotional tension, I found. So, like, even that masturbation scene, to your point, I guess, but I like that it was filmed this way because also they're supposed to be teenagers, um, is that it's not exactly sexual. It's actually like an emotional experience in a sexual context, you know, in physical, like, it's physical sexual expression. Yeah. Um, that he's able to in, experience for the first time, and it is kind of pure in a sense, like you know, this you know, sexual innocence, I guess. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so there is that, but I, but I didn't get that he isn't lustful after guys, and the film is trying to make it so that yeah, he's just in love with Kevin, and he's in, he's a he's a loving homosexual, but we're gonna ignore the fact that homosexuality also involves physical lust for men or for men in this case um i didn't get that we also don't see him do anything though well he's the one that's jerked off exactly well like but again that that to me is a is a manifestation of his repression and he doesn't do anything he never actually takes control he never even mentioned this is why i find the film quite simply told and i find it very emotionally fulfilling by the end where he never takes control of his own sexuality or even acknowledges it until the end until the last 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 line line. line. the last line of the film is him owning his sexuality in a sense at least in that moment between the only other person who's he who he's ever felt completely safe with Mm -hmm. you know he never even felt safe completely with juan because the last thing we see with him and juan is like are you a drug dealer did you deal drugs to my mom and he's like he, he nods his head and then we leave and then then that well and he walks away he walks away walks right away. so that's a disconnection with Juan mm-hmm. um that happens that leads to the second act in the third act he actually takes control and it's the guy trying to be like who are you who are you um you know and he just straight up and there you know there's all this emotional tension and i guess this kind of sexual but like it's this romantic tension that they don't mention and then he just goes you're the only man that ever touched me mm-hmm. and i never touched another man since like that's him for the first time seemingly in his life out loud acknowledging that um yeah i am uh, i'm homosexual mm-hmm. or at least i have these homosexual desires yeah um so so yes to me it makes sense that yeah, he hand, he gives him the handy. He doesn't really engage. With, he doesn't choose to. I mean, it's consensual, but like he doesn't he doesn't take control. No, you know, in a sense, he's doing his his entire life. He's doing. He, he's basically getting bounced around like a pinball by society around him. Even how he becomes a drug dealer. Yeah, and the people who he, he gets, loves failed him. Exactly. Yeah. So he doesn't he, he's a lost child and he's really a lost child in the third act as well yeah. where even when he asked him you know how did you know we asked him like what were you doing he's like i'm trapping dealing drugs never knew that's what trapping meant by the way no. uh until i <laughs> no. saw this film uh but he's no. like you know i went to prison talked to this guy and he's like i you can make some money why don't you try it and i got good at it mm-hmm. so like again it's like he he doesn't take this agency over his life mm-hmm. you know um the only time you know he in the second act, going back to the second act, he smashes the fucking chair over the kid with the head. Yeah, so let's go. Let's head. go back to why that happens. Sure. So we're in this. So let's bounce back to the second act. So he's getting the shit kicked out of him. No, eh, no, 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 no. He's getting picked on. He's getting picked on. And the kid keeps basically threatening to fight. It hasn't come to physical violence yet. He calls his mother a whore. He tells, says, you know, makes insinuation that Teresa you know, gives good blowjobs, and then he's right. gonna go over there now because he Juan's makes fun of Juan for being dead. Yep. You know, so basically he's trying to instigate the kid. Yeah. He's trying to get him to strike first, right? So he can fuck yeah. him up. So he can be such a big guy with his friends and Ex- you know, exactly. have f- a four-on-one fight. So <laughs> he has the whole experience with Kevin. Um, it's the next day. Yep. And Kevin is in the lunchroom. And basically somehow this, I don't know if it's coincidence, but 
the film it it seems too specific where this other guy the bully it seems to total forced it's so this is this is another small criticism with cause and effect where i'm like could we maybe get a moment where we like it could have just been a quick shot mm-hmm. edit of the bully i can't remember his name do you remember the character's name no. i don't know he's got dreadlock boy dreadlock kid so he's where he sees kevin and and uh sharon talking yeah sharon and talking i also and it also would have been that would have been fine and i also think an extra thing of like showing because they talked about how the kid was good at this like game where you did knock out each game. other yeah yeah, yeah. The knockout game what they should have shown is like kevin because it's it's insinuated that kevin is pretty popular like he knows yes. a lot of people a lot of people like him i would have showed him doing like some athletic activity showing that he could some, oh, I don't care about that. No, no, Who but some, no, no. I'm talking about like showing that he's tough. Because now we have to, we have to like remember that he was tough when he was eight. I'm I, gonna, I'm gonna okay, go back the, to when you but were. This eight. is my point. If they had a shot of, um, the bully seeing Kevin and Chiron talking together and seeing like, oh, they're friends. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking, yeah. Work, that's that's make a this good, happen. Yeah. I just so this is why I'm saying there seems to be some uh underlying implication. That the bully knows that Kevin and Sharon are at least friendly, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna get your only friend to fuck you up. Yeah, he just comes so up. So we don't. So we don't even have to believe that Kevin was so good at the knockout game. I tend to believe yeah. it personally because even later in the third act, Kevin mentions going to jail and stuff. So there, there's yeah. some, you know, that didn't start when he was 20. Uh-huh. So Kevin probably has some reputation where like he's from the streets, he's been in fights. He, he might not be special, but like there's a lot of kids that do that and he's one of them. Yeah. Um so basically he talks to Kevin at the lunch he's like, "Yo, you remember that knockout game?" and he's like, "Yeah, and uh, let me finish. Remember the knockout game?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah." He's like, "Yo, man, that was so fun." He's like, "If I told you to do that right now, would you do it?" And you could see Kevin's eyes flash like and to me that's that was a moment where like this I experienced it as like oh this kid Kevin's not really a bad kid Mm -hmm. and he did stupid shit when he was younger he doesn't want to do that but he's he's prone to peer pressure yeah as opposed to Sharon who doesn't who's prone to peer pressure in a different way where he's just sort of pushed out completely out of you know society thematically but you know in terms of you know his social circles he's pushed out and his peer pressure is I'm pressured to just basically repress myself Mm -hmm. whereas Kevin is in but in order to stay in the social group, yeah, he he cases the peer pressure in a you know the more high school bullshit, cl- way. bullshit yeah. way, um, and he goes yeah yeah all right he's like so if I point him out you'll do it yeah 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 and yeah. Kevin doesn't want to do it but he as soon as he says yes mm-hmm. he's already he's locked in yeah he's like now I oh, have yeah. to you do can, it you can you can't you can't so, back out from that so yeah so he picks out Chiron Chiron mm-hmm. and again. Uh, I'll say it again. This it's deceptively simple, but there's a lot of substance here, in my opinion, emotionally, where this is where Chiron is basically had enough, mm-hmm. and this is where he. It's really the climax of the film, emotionally for Chiron, where he's like, "I'm gonna become a man now. Mm-hmm. I'm fucking done with this. Yeah, I'm done." Uh, hiding from people i'm done running away i'm done arguing and kevin basically punches him in the face Mm -hmm. he falls down gets back up Mm -hmm. you know you're you're supposed to assume kevin's like pulling his punches a bit punches him again and he goes sharon stay down stay down and he fucking doesn't and he stands up and he puts his chin in the air 
like hit me again mm -hmm. fucking hit me again and he does and he hits him harder the third time because he actually mm -hmm. wants him to stay down yeah he's like i don't want to keep fucking you up um and Wait, it's interesting and then, and then the and then the kids just fucking start pounding on him and they, anyway so, yeah and then the, the teacher comes in and pulls him apart yeah. um and so i i thought that was a great scene i thought and i love the scene after i mean the great <laughs> You can't see my face on the, on yeah, the audio. Yeah, thing, but he's but... Uh, he doesn't agree. Chris doesn't agree. It's whatever. I mean, I just uh, listen, man. I, I understood just... everything that was going on. Right. Don't get me wrong. It's just like I'm like, eh. I'm not. Listen, I'm, uh, I'm not saying it's yeah. it's the height of uh, you know Shakespearean <laughs> style or dialogue or character development, but I just thought it was simply told, simply executed, well shot, well acted. And it, I just found it really emotionally resonant. And to me, it it was a climax that earned that emotional uh, weight mm -hmm. from the prior half of the film before it. Because we're, we're probably at the halfway mark at this point, I would imagine. I can't No, at this point, sure. we are got 30 we're minutes left. Yeah. No, the third act is 45 on its own. Third act oh, is 45 minutes. Oh, because I was looking at it. I was pausing it just I'm to almost see where positive. it was. The third act is at least 40 minutes. It's long. Okay. It's long. But maybe you're probably right. It's probably closer to after that. Yeah. Um, because this, this pretty much ends... Well, it doesn't end the second act. So he gets the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. And then... So to me, emotionally, it's like he's decided I'm fucking taking control of my life in some sense. Mm -hmm. Or... Um, but really, it's him, it's him retaliating against the world. Yeah. And he is just beelines in school to his chemistry class or science class. Well, he meets what with, with the principal first or a guidance yes. counselor? Some it, of them, one of those. Yeah, of that, I forgot about that. And yes. they kind of like make him well, feel they want, like... He, they want him to press charges. They want him to press charges, but they also insinuate like if you don't do certain things back, you're just going to keep getting picked on. They insinuate uh -huh. that he has to fight back a little bit. Yeah, but okay. All right, so you're right. And instead of... But her, what she's trying to say is pressing charges yeah. is your way of fighting back yeah. and he's going no i'm fighting back my way yeah not the fucking way you guys tell me to yeah because it hasn't worked by at this point yeah you know so what does he do so he and he's crying and he's upset his face is all fucked up yeah his and, mom doesn't give a shit yeah she doesn't care she's cracked out yep and whatever it's like the next day or the yeah. you know we would assume maybe the day after he takes a day let's say the next day and he just beelines for the kid in the science class and breaks a wooden chair over his fucking back. Yep. And then hits him again, actually, with part of the chair, and then he yep. gets pulled apart and whatever. Um, I love that scene. I mean, that scene was a great payoff, just seeing the bully get his. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also the kid, you know, that's his anger that's been built up for, you know, an hour. Yep. Uh, getting released because yeah. he's been holding it in him his whole life, and he just... He, he, couldn't got fucking take it anymore mm -hmm. you know um so i thought that was great i mean that that's probably my favorite act of the film mm -hmm. um but you just happen to disagree yep. you didn't find anything compelling about it I thought, or interesting or entertaining no i just i just thought it was like whatever i'm like uh -huh. okay i saw i see all the beats coming i do too i mean even when you, you know? but it here's the thing too the film doesn't hide them no like the film is fine to let you know, yeah, there are certain beats we're going to hit. And to me, it still works. And I don't mean it works just writing-wise. I mean it actually works emotionally. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm a 
cold asshole. I think that's the problem. <laughs> I, think, I really I am think not. I, right. I cry a lot in movies. It's just this movie. I do too. This, this movie, movie was really. I, I, I got. A, I felt for this kid, and I was with him all three acts. I just was not. I just wasn't. <laughs> just, okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, but I'm as I'm watching it, and I'm like seeing. You know, and when I you mean, see, here's the thing. It, I was glad that he beat the shit out of him in the class. With right. The thing. But I'm, as I'm like watching, I'm like, well, this is why we also have school shooters. Like, this is yeah. what I'm thinking about. I'm just, right. you know, uh-huh, I'm, lauding, I'm lauding that he's doing this. But what if he brought a fucking gun and started just shooting everybody? I wouldn't be fucking applauding it. That's what you're thinking about while watching it? The second time, yeah. <laughs> okay. the, the first time I was just like, okay, yeah. I sure, but this isn't about school shootings. No, I'm no, I know it's not. I'm just saying, like, you know, I, I, it's a little uncomfortable to be like, yeah, he fucking took a steel shit, you know, you know what I mean? The steel Well, I don't think, him. well, that's the thing. I don't, I'm not even saying the kid did the right thing. I mean, like, I'm, I don't, I'm not even saying the bully deserves to die off that. I'm just saying emotionally, I can't help but feel vindicated and be on his side, right or wrong. I'm yeah, not I'm making a side. moral judgment. I was on his side. It's just... Oh, I am on his side. That's what I'm saying. And it doesn't it's... mean he did the right thing. And I don't even think he's... It's not about him doing the right or the wrong thing. He's like, I'm fucking getting revenge. Yeah. And yeah. the kid did deserve it. Doesn't mean... Yeah. I mean, he deserved... He deserved, he deserved to mean, get his ass kicked. Yeah, let's, but it doesn't... Let's be honest. He doesn't mean he deserved to die or the, or the other kid it. deserves to give it to him. You know what I mean? There's there's yeah. that moral dilemma, whatever. B- bullies deserve to get their ass kicked. Sure. Um, um, I just, I just found it to be, uh, I don't know. I just, well, listen, here's the problem too. I mean, mm-hmm. this movie hinges on this emotional experience. So if you're not hooked in emotionally in the second act, you're going to fucking hate the third act. Cause the third act is all about you just, uh, I was bored by this movie. Right. Well, you're not emotionally engaged. Sure. Bored. That makes sense. Absolutely bored. You know? Yeah. I, you know, so he be, he, he since then he, he he's he gets uh, put into the cop car, and that's when we now flash forward to the third part. Yeah, uh, where where it's about ten years later. Yeah, he's in roughly his, ten years. He's know. in his mid to late twenties. Yeah, and uh, Chiron is basically basically modeled his entire life after Juan. Juan. So he's got the same type of Cadillac. Mm-hmm. He's wearing the do rag. He's got the crown on the dashboard of the car. Yep. Um, he's got a grill. He's got a grill. He is fucking yoked. He's huge. <laughs> Which I do think is on, like, they purposely got a big yoked motherfucker because they were trying to say, yeah, he juiced up because he wanted to make sure no one fucks that with no him. one fucks with him again. Yeah. He's a monster. So I actually really like the casting. doesn't really look like the kid in the second act, but I'm just like, the kid juiced up and G'd up. And no, he doesn't like, look anything like him. He looks like fucking 50 Cent. Yeah, he looks, he does look very much like 50 <laughs> looks Cent. looks like 50 Cent, but like, yeah, yeah. The, he's a monster. This he's man's yoked, a monster. Yoked as fuck. Um, and we see him, you know. Uh, he's in Atlanta now. He's in Atlanta. Uh, he went to Atlanta after uh, his stint. Yeah. Um, and he's, um, I get. I guess he's a low-level uh, drug dealer, right? He's, not, he's, he's not... like Juan. I mean, Juan, they didn't seem to imply that Juan is like some kingpin. No, he middle, but he he has like a, mid-level kind of thing. Yeah, but he has guys under him. Yeah. And so, do, so does Chiron. So, so does Chiron, yes. He's he's Juan. Right. You know? Um, and, uh, you know, he has a little bit of that tough guy 
image yeah that we know is a little put on obviously a little bit of a side. i mean it's it's his yeah. defense mechanism it's his mask mm-hmm. he's wearing he's putting mask. on a mask he's putting on a personality because yeah. he doesn't really know who he is well what like like when he uh intimidates the guy from counting yeah like i didn't know if he was serious or not actually I and when he said oh i'm just fucking with you yeah i mean he's kind of fucking with them when he says i'm fucking with you yeah right i mean it's just a way of getting in the guy's head i think yeah but um, um, it's a very different Sharon. He's actually taking control of the scene, mm-hmm. and he's actually this is the most we've ever heard him speak in one scene. Really, the character, right? This is a yep. new actor, and, um, he's, and he's talking to the drug dealer about women. Yeah. And, uh, well, the drug dealer like says in the car, this "Is in the car like, oh, yeah. you banging her?" And he's like, "Yeah, what's her name?" Blah blah. blah. He's like, "Yeah, I'm banging her." And he just yeah. lies, or maybe not. Maybe yeah. he is banging he, chicks. And then he goes you know. to him. He's like. I don't believe you. Uh, he, um, Sharon says the other drug dealer. He's like, I don't believe you because I don't. I've never heard of this girl. Right. And where she lived, bro. Yeah, yeah. And he's, you know, he's, you know, fucking with him a little bit, um, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, uh, he's full gangbanger mode in this third yeah. part. So you want to go? With yeah. That? Well, so he goes along with that, and again, you know, he's yoked. Yep. He's very, you know, in control of his life, uh, mm-hmm. you know, at least has this facade of strength and courage, although I do think he's a brave guy. I think, you know, again, that moment in the second act, the thing where he decided, I'm, no one's going to fuck with me. I'm going to be tough. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to make myself. And that's what he did. Yeah. And now this is him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what happens? He's in bed. He gets a call from his mom and, mm-hmm. you know, he... It's interesting because on the phone, doesn't say mom. It says Paula. Yep. He doesn't call her mom. He's yep. on the phone. And he, you know, she's calling him because she wants him to go see him to go visit her. And Kevin calls out of the blue. Yep. And I really like this scene. And I actually really like it actor-wise, too, because I don't know if you noticed. Probably not because you didn't care. But he, <laughs> you know, just in the previous scene, he's talking with this guy the whole time. They're chatting back and forth. Uh-huh. He's imposing his, you know, will on him in a, in a sense. He's very much taking control of the conversation, uh, you know, fucking with him, saying, oh, you didn't, you counted wrong. And then he's like, you know, it's like a teaching moment for him, for the drug, which it, it, I think it is. Like he's, you know, it, it's his, he doesn't really know how to bond with people. And that's his way of doing it. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as Kevin calls, he instantly reverts back to how he used to be as a kid. Yeah. He instantly can't really talk mm-hmm. the other guys given the whole conversation he's just sort of responding back like yeah yeah we'll be there and like he's got this sort of shock on his face and you mm-hmm. almost to me i almost saw him turn into the teenager in the second act and i thought it was done really well the actor does a great job uh the directing the basically everything about that scene i really really enjoyed again it's it's a deceptively simple scene in my opinion yeah so um, how i found the whole third part is that he is uh, like making uh, amends with his past and accepting uh what he is and what his life was that's how i found the whole third act story and I, right and i it's only not with kevin but it's also with his mom yeah um right so so yeah it, he's reconciling with his past but it kind of just i mean it does sort of happen to him it, yeah it, so he decides he wasn't looking for it right so he goes to see his mom the next day which he did claim he was planning on doing before even kevin called whether mm-hmm. he would have or not we'll never know obviously mm-hmm. 
his mom is at some sort of rehabilitation center. She yeah. does seem clean, very remorseful for how she was as a mom. Mm-hmm. And um, again, I, I thought this was a powerful scene where she, you know, basically she's kind of trying to, uh, well, she's trying to be actually be a mom in the moment where she's like showing concern for him, you mm-hmm. know, basically telling him not to do what he's doing. He's like, really, you're going to tell me that yeah. after all this. And, she says, I love you. And he says, I hate you. Mm-hmm. But he's like crying as he does it. And it's really like he, he clearly does love his mom. Like, you know, yeah. there's no love without hate. Like he hates her because he loves her. Yeah. Um, and then she gets upset and he hugs her. And, uh, you know, you just it, it's at this point in this act, we don't really know where he's at emotionally. You know, we get some sense of it with a call with his with Kevin. But after this scene, we realize okay, he's still very much in pain. There's still very much trauma there. And, yeah. um, uh, you know, he clearly hasn't um, reconciled with his sexuality, among other things. Yeah. Um, and so that scene with his mom, to me, was a, a catalyst for him being like, fuck it, I'm driving to Miami. I want to I just see this guy. I agree. You know? Yep. Which I really like, because we don't really even know when he last saw his mom. No, uh, you know, before this. Uh, so he goes and he sees Kevin and this act is quite long. I mean, it does take its time here. Um, oh, it's a slow burn. It's a slow burn. Right. Again, I, I, but I even watching it the second time, I really liked it because I really liked the payoff at the end. So to me, um, I just found it, it was again, that, that romantic tension, that emotional tension, um, I thought Jenkins did a great job with that. I, I, you know, I don't think Kevin would have known that was Chiron right away. So I, that's literally what I thought because I, when Chiron was sitting there and I like didn't because I haven't seen this, I hadn't seen the film in a while. Um, and he looked at him. I'm like, is he gonna be able to tell that Chiron? I mean, he does sort of take a second. Mm-hmm. He's like Chiron, I guess, because of his eyes or something. I don't know. Smell. I don't know. Yeah, but. We, I don't, yeah, we got. Let's just film stuff. We got to just buy. Okay, he he. This is the Chiron from. How also teenager. would he know that's Kevin? Right. Well, I actually thought that actually kind of looked like Kevin. You understand what act. I'm saying, though? Yes, People, they, for sure. you know, you look different sometimes, especially if you're gonna become like what happens with Chiron. If you're a skinny kid, it's like a kid we that we grew up with. I won't say his name. I'll say it off the air. Yeah. But like he was kind of a small kid in high school. Now the kid's a fucking. He's a man now. The goddamn monster. Like and if, you wouldn't, we wouldn't have recognized them only in the face, but that's because his face looks the same. Right, Chiron does not. He looks completely different, and he's right. a monster. I would not be able to say like, "Oh, that's Chiron." Yeah, I mean, you. That's just something you have to. Yeah, buy, you have to I suspend think. a little bit of disbelief. It's a movie. It's fine. Right. Yeah. But like, it is something that you think. It does happen. Right. It does happen to you as a viewer. So yeah. in that sense, we can't ignore that. Um, so you know, he, he. Oh, uh, Ke- Kevin's a cook. Kevin's yeah, a cook. He's Kevin's a fry cook. cook. Yeah. And he's just like, you want to eat? Yeah, I'll eat. And mm-hmm. he's like, I'll give you the chef special. And there's this nice little montage. Uh, it's not a montage. It's a short scene with just music. And it's just Kevin really taking his time making the making the meal. And it's like, you know, this kind of act of love he's yeah. doing for Chiron. Because um, some people show their love through food. Exactly. And again, a nice touching scene i really liked it um we find out that chiron really isn't a drinker 
Yes. Makes him drink. He drinks the but, wine. He just throws it down because he just drinks water. Right. Because he's got to keep that physique. Yeah. To well, the top. I took it. I took it as he doesn't drink because he doesn't fuck with drugs and alcohol because of his yeah. mom. Yeah. Um, so and to me, I'm like, oh, this he's all, like he's clearly like a disciplined guy. I yeah. mean, let alone his body, right? But like, oh, he doesn't drink. He doesn't mm-hmm. do drugs. Um, he's yoked out of his mind. He's a successful drug dealer. Yeah. Um, in a sense, he's got his shit together. I mean, he's putting his energy in probably the, some of the wrong areas. But if he applied himself in other ways, you know, he could have a great life. Um, so why couldn't you be an accountant? Right. Well, it's the thing, too. The, the, the drug dealer thing is interesting. Not, it is because, obviously, he's modeling himself after Juan, which is, well, it's interesting, one, because he doesn't... Uh, in the first act as a kid he clearly doesn't like the fact that Juan's a drug dealer yeah um he actually uh you know denies him in a sense as a father figure in that moment mm-hmm. um but also i think also it's him leaning into his fears like that's scary yeah. being a drug dealer like I, I you know um and it's going into this life of danger in order for him to harden himself yeah uh so it's interesting i i just find that it works on a lot on different levels not just one you know also relation to his mother he hates his mom yeah so he's like fuck these fucking drug addicts these crack addicts mm-hmm. you know um so he's he, so there's a sort of lack of empathy or sympathy for them mm-hmm. in that sense um you know there's the element of danger there's the whole recidivist prisoner thing like he was put in the prison system and he came out a criminal yep when he wasn't going in he was sort of this shy innocent kid that had yeah. this one bad moment, you know, so that's another layer. Uh, you know, again, it's him being shaped by the forces outside his control uh, in a lot of ways. But, you know, he's decided to use those forces and, and you know, enact his will in, in sort of this, you know, negative shadow-like way. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Kevin's the opposite. Yeah. You know, Kevin came from, well, they're kindred in that they both went to prison, went to high school, but, you know, Kevin's like, well, I, I just couldn't be doing that anymore. Yeah. Like he, you know, he implies he, w- he was doing that. He was in the streets, like, uh, at least dealing drugs and got caught. And he's like, no, no, no. I just got to live a straight life. It's also very explicit that Kevin is kind of happy. With what, yes. Not only yeah, who well, he says it. He's ha- Yeah, yeah. It's very explicit at the end. But you can even just tell before that he's happy with, even though he doesn't have much, he's happy with his life and who he is. And what's right. going on? Well, this is like the theme of the third act, right? And and you know the overarching theme of the movie, it, 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 but with Kevin specifically, like Kevin oh, and, and Kevin has a kid, has a kid with Samantha, yeah. which is why it's this one where I'm like, oh, I do buy that he was banging that chick in mm. in the second act because I, I know what you mean, but I, you mm-hmm. know, because um, was it Samantha? I actually didn't go back and check. Yeah, probably, know. probably. Mm-hmm. So, um, Kevin's just yeah, you get this sense. I, I mean, this is why I say I really like Kevin's probably my favorite performance in the film because I think he does a great job of this. Although the guy who plays the older Sharon does too, um, where he's like a guy who knows himself. Mm-hmm. Like he just knows who he is. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he said like basically he was lost years back being in prison and having this kid and now he's starting to figure things out. He's like, no, no, no. I know, I know who am I, I am, what kind of life I want. And Sharon's on the other end. Yeah pretends and knows who he is doesn't really know who he is is doing something he shouldn't be doing and isn't really made for mm-hmm. in some sense um 
you know, where he's like, you know, you don't, he's like, you know, that's not you, where he basically judges him for drug dealing. And he's like, well, you don't know me. Yeah. But uh, I found the subtext there was like, yeah, but you don't know you either. Yeah. Well, and actually, he knows you better than you know you. Correct. Because you don't know you. Correct. Um, and anything that's uncomfortable, he'll just put the music up. Right. Yeah. He'll just turn that music up, you know. Just drown it out. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have a, I don't want to have a difficult conversation. Right. I don't want to face myself in a mirror. I don't want a mirror in front of me right now. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, it's the same with his mom, right? He just, when his mom tries to connect with him, he just lashes out. Yeah. You know, he doesn't know. You know, he mm-hmm. can deal drugs and he can deal with all that shit, but he can't have a emotional conversation that might ch- expose his vulnerabilities. Correct. Because uh, he has to hide who he is. Um, so, you know, they're hanging out and they have a good time and they're drinking wine and they, you know, they close up and Kevin goes back drops Kevin off at his house mm-hmm. and they go back to his apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, there's this emotional ch- charge tension. I wouldn't call it sexual. I didn't experience it as sexual. Um, obviously the two grown men who jerked each other off once upon a time. So there's, <laughs> you know, there's going to be desire there and lust there, but <laughs> no, it's much more about the emotional connection. Correct. Yeah. And, Yes. It uh, again. It's it's a simple ending. If you listen, if you didn't emotionally, if you're not emotionally connected with Chiron and Kevin by the third act, and you don't care, you're gonna hate this whole act. I mean, it's just it is gonna fall flat. I feel you bad. Know, it's just gonna I, be I, boring. I, yeah, but I, I want to say hate. I was just with him the whole time, so I just found this all. It just really resonated with me emotionally. I really connected to it. And listen, I, I do connect to movies and films that where I'm like, eh, I see the weakness in the script and it isn't well-structured and written. And it's kind of, um, you know, the, like uh, this is us type stuff where it's just saccharine Fuck. emotionally manipulation Bullshit. where I bet if I saw this is us, I would, you could get me to cry by the end, but I'm like, this is bullshit. Yeah. This is I've a, seen enough this episodes. Is, yeah. This is like complete emotional yeah. manipulation. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like the uh, the film TV version of like pop music that just hits these beats that they know they could sort of hack your emotional system, essentially. Yeah, I mean, but, it's also like a romantic comedy, you know, like there's yeah. romantic comedies that I'm like, oh, this, is, you know, this is bullshit, right. but it gets, you know, you get you teary eyed. You, yeah. you, you can't you, you're forced to sort of you can't help but connect with them. So I don't think yeah. that's what this is. This is my point. I think yeah. it's uh, understated. It's. Uh, it, it's subtle it really respects the audience yeah. so it respects that we're going to understand where they're at emotionally without yeah. having to put in music and uh, these emotionally um, you know let's say wild scenes where you know they, the person could be screaming and crying about it I mean it's all very subtle nuanced simple um, acting wise directing wise mm-hmm. writing wise and it all really works like it's essentially it's the director allowing this scene and the actors to breathe yeah and it's just trusting that the emotional connection the emotional pulse will be there mm-hmm. and i found that it was um and again i love the emotional payoff so basically kevin essentially confronts him he's like you know who is you like you know he just says that he says that like twice two three times um because Kevin, which is something his mom has said in earlier scenes, right? But in a, in a way, but his mom 
here's the thing. His mom is part of the reason why he is. Oh no, I know. He's like, but know? I, I just, I, I know that was something I noticed. Right. You know that, but people have said that to him or about him, um, with those exact words. Who is you? Right. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> um, but what I loved about it is, what I took it as is Kevin is essentially. Essentially, Kevin sees him for who he is. Yeah. Right? So he is challenging him in a way. But it's Kevin's way of saying, like, I know this isn't you, and I want to I see the real you. And I found it to be where, like, Sharon's, like, recognizes that. He's like, oh, I've, this guy sees who I really am, and he accepts me for it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm this tough guy, drug dealer thing, and this is what I feel like I need to be for people to accept me. But this guy's like, that's all bullshit. Yeah. I want to see the real you. Yeah. And there's that moment where Sharon's like feels safe with that. And he feels safe to actually be vulnerable for the first time throughout the entire film. Yeah. He's never vulnerable from from one act to one, two, and three for the first time. And again, I, I said earlier where he's like, you're the only man who ever touched me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been with another man since. Mm-hmm. And even how it ends what how does it end he doesn't they don't sleep together no he's he just holds him holding him you know yeah and then it ends with the shot with the kid at on the beach on the beach looking at the ocean and then he looks back right um which which is like and the beach is the recurring setting throughout the film uh how do you read that last shot you know i don't know i um so the beach was his i this is how i took it the beach was his safe place. Yeah. He loved the beach. Yep. It's where he went, you know, it's where Juan first took him. Mm-hmm. And he teaches him how to swim. And, you know, he, it, I think that's the first time he feels safe and protected. Um, so that's where he goes in the second act. I mean, he literally says it's where he goes to, like, you know, what, what happens when he gets bullied and attacked and his mom's a crack at He goes to the beach. And then he goes, drops Kevin off. Kevin lives by the beach. And so we cut to him as a child where he's connected again to that place mm-hmm. where he feels safe and protected. Um, and even the look he gives to the camera, it's like this look of, I found of strength. Mm-hmm. The kid, you know, he's, it's a kid being, he, he's able to be himself. Yeah. That's how I, I view it as a, as a metaphor that he, that uh, Sharon has finally accepted himself. Right. That's how I viewed that last shot. Um, yeah, which I loved. So, mm-hmm. see, so yeah, that's basically it. I mean, the, you know, again, this is this movie was like uh, it's a soul experience, it's an emotional experience, right? There's different ways to enjoy films and art in general. I just found I found myself really engaged with this film. I was there for the ride, um, and I just thought it was really well done in a in a subtle. Uh, not emotionally exploitative way. Uh, I didn't think it even it exploited the whole, you know, cliches that come with re- repressed homosexuality. And I understand why no, people they, find uh, that to be a tired. Uh, but there are trope. things that they actually subvert. So what they do is they show what the trope is, and then they subvert it. Right. So they show mm-hmm. what it, these things are, and then to deconstruct it, right. which is clever. Um, I just didn't like it. But um, I can recognize, you know, that, you know, what they're doing, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I can appreciate that. 
So you don't think, you just think it didn't emotionally resonate with you because it just wasn't emotionally compelling? Yeah, I, I think it's... Um, like, did I, they screw, like, where'd they screw up? I find the movie just just too quiet. Okay. And, it, and to me, it kind of just... You know, we talked about the Batman last week, about how the Batman is, like, too plot-heavy. Uh-huh. I find this movie to be too just character-heavy, where it's, okay. it's um, you know, even at some point with, like, a movie like Taxi Driver, there is some plot that's uh, introduced. Oh, yeah, there's a, there's a narrative through line. I mean, there, um, there's a, an escalation of his arc that be, that basically manifests the plot. Yeah, this movie is really just a character and uh, that character's life in certain points of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, and it's just, it was just like, uh, it, it was, I don't know. It was nothing for me to sink my teeth into. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, um, yeah, that's that's how I felt about it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't call uh, personally. I would just disagree with the. The idea that it was just at different points in his life, I, I think we just see the the progression from a boy to to a man. Yeah, you know well, I mean? yeah, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. I'm just saying, um, yeah. And like um, enough time had to pass from him to be an adult, for him to reconnect with Kevin. You mm-hmm, know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, although he's still quite a young man, I guess. You know, yeah, got to be 27 at the oldest, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So okay. Um. There was a thing actually, um, the you know the film critic Owen Gleiberman. No, he's he's a pretty good film critic. Okay, and he was on uh, you know the author Brett Easton Ellis. Yeah. So if anyone doesn't know, he wrote Less Than Zero and he wrote American, American Psycho. Psycho. Yeah. I do not like his novels. Um, yeah, I, f- I find him quite nihilistic. He's but, not for me. Yeah. But he has an interesting podcast where he has a bunch of I've, people on it. I've listened to some of his interviews, yeah. And Owen Gleiberman was on when Moonlight was the thing. Okay. And Gleiberman talked about the critics and how the critics uh, absorbed this movie. Mm-hmm. And he was like, don't get me wrong, I think it's a pretty good movie. But the fact that the movie has a 99 Metacritic is something that should be talked about because I think there's a lot of uh, groupthink. And he, oh, for sure. And he talked about how, like, if you criticize Moonlight, uh, you, you know, you get ostracized. Oh yeah, for it. There's and, other movies like that too, for sure. Yeah, and he 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 just and you know it was interesting because uh, Ellis is uh, homosexual as well, and he yeah. kind of agreed with that thinking, uh, that like we can't say anything bad about Moonlight. We all have to say this is the best movie of the 21st century. <laughs> Because if you think about it, a 99 Metacritic is kind of obscene. That's insane. Um, That's but, a perfect film. Yeah. There are, yeah. I can name my favorite films of all time. I, I don't. A lot of them I wouldn't give a 99. Yeah. So he was just talking. Because you got to reserve that for something. Yeah. You got to go hot. It's like, you know, if it's you something. go with 99 on Moonlight, what is. I mean, what's The Godfather? Yeah, what's ta- taxi driver? What's seven? What's Rashomon? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing about this. I don't put the I don't. Well, you know, maybe some people do. I mean, some people think uh, this is amongst the best movies of the 21st century. But you know, Roger Ebert thought Monster was the best movie of the 2000s. 
Really? Yeah, he put Monster Ebert has get one. some. I mean, everyone does, I guess, but Ebert had some weird opinions that would pop out now and again. Yeah, he thought Monster was the number one movie from 2000 to 20, okay. 2000, 20, 2000 to 2010. He thought Monster was, which I'll, is very weird if you've ever watched Monster. Yeah, that's that's very strange. It's a very strange choice. Um, I, I, I mean, that's a good film. I mean, Charlize Theron carries it. I mean, it's her film, right? Yeah. I mean, she's the reason. It's weirdly shot, though. Yeah, and it's, I think it's just, uh, it's, it's okay. Anyway, <sighs> that's a film I don't. I never have to see again. I'll that's say just, this: Moonlight uh, is. I find Moonlight to be a beautiful film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is a film where if I was feeling like emotionally disconnected from life, this would be a film I would watch mm-hmm. to to connect to humanity again. Okay. Like I will watch this film again. I know I will. I probably won't. And I will. And I won't. Uh, I won't. I don't say. I don't think it's a light statement because I there's so much shit to watch and read and stuff that like you have no idea that like I <laughs> even feel bad when I rewatch movies now. I mean, certain ones I love. I've watched uh-huh. again and again. Uh, so there are movies that I like. Like I'll never. I, I will. Like Coda. I, it's a good film. Yeah. I have no reason to ever watch that again. The only reason I would is because if like yeah. Tina was like, "Hey, I really want to watch Coda. Can we watch it tonight?" I'd be like, "Sure." I don't think I'll ever watch Coda again. Yeah. I will watch Moonlight again. So I really genuinely enjoy this film. I, I I totally get the criticism about, yeah, this is a film that you definitely in the, the especially the uh, context of Hollywood now and Hollywood even back then, where especially because that's when you know 2000, 2010s basically was like oh all these fucking big blockbusters fuck them they shouldn't be always be winning best picture mm-hmm. and um you know just everything that everyone knows what i'm talking about uh, you know it's uh you couldn't criticize it no i, I absolutely see that's that's true no. so they're just like yeah it's a great film this is not worth it i'm not gonna die on this hill yeah for some independent movie in 2016 and fuck up my whole career yeah um for sure and that happens all the time I and mean, that happens with blockbusters too mm-hmm. you know you could there are certain this is why again we've talked about this in other podcasts where the marvel movies you know these huge temple films you got to be careful yeah you know, this is why okay. critics will give bad reviews, quote unquote, where basically they're hiding a bad review as a good review. Where it's a, this is why I read reviews now. Yeah. Especially if if you notice, just pick us a, a Marvel movie at random. Pick one you don't like no. that you're like is not a good film, and read a read all the reviews that uh-huh. are fresh. Uh-huh. And a lot, a, a good amount, uh-huh. you'll read the review and be like, this seems like a bad review, but you gave it a fresh, and it's them rationalizing why the bad parts are don't, don't mitigate the whole film you know the good parts mitigate the bad parts mm-hmm. you know but they're basically saying it's a so-so film okay so i want to i want to ask you a question since, yeah uh, this is tangentially uh, related related sure. uh dr strange 2 got a 78 percent on ron tomatoes that's, that's what does that tell you that means it's like a, a 59 <laughs> okay it's not a good film <laughs> yeah right okay listen i've been surprised before i remember age of ultron didn't get great reviews i think it was in the high 70s mm-hmm. i could just check but i'm not gonna mm-hmm. um and i i went to watch it because i'm like let me just watch it i mean i do like the the avengers films uh so and i thought it was good mm-hmm. but i also wasn't expecting a, a, a very good film i thought it was pretty good yeah uh, so i i had my i had this kind of conversation with my mom the other day about how rotten tomato scores have been kind of inflated and what oh for years for what used to be the case it doesn't really so like she asked me to look up collateral what what was the tomato score for collateral and if it came out today 
it would probably be like a 98 or 99. Yeah. Uh, but in 2004, when it came out, it was an 86, which is still very high and is warranted. I think that's an excellent movie. Um, but like nowadays, you know, an 86 and you look at it, you're like, eh, it's probably just an okay movie. Right. Well, do you know what? Back fight... then, you'd be like, oh, wow, this is probably a really good movie. Well, if you go to Fight Club yeah. for Rotten Tomatoes, I think mm-hmm. Fight Club's in the 60s. High sixties. That's stupid. like sixty six or whatever. I love if that. Fight movie. Club came out today. Yeah, it's getting a ninety above. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, especially if it you know with the blockbusters and everything. That that fucking movie's getting a ninety. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. So listen, I don't agree that Fight Club's in the sixties. I, I think it's a great film, mm-hmm. but I still respect that. Like the critics are like, okay, yeah, yeah. This isn't a great. I, I don't give a shit that you wanted to make a bunch of money. Like it's not a great. You know, I didn't like this film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, it actually corresponds to basically the rising power of Rotten Tomatoes. That's what happened. I mean, mm-hmm. studios would have meetings about this shit. Mm-hmm. Um, where basically they were like, how do we, how do we deal with the fact that people aren't going to our films if the Rotten Tomato score is bad, especially mm-hmm. the audience score? Well, you know, they just pay critics off or now, you know, which we knew was going to happen. They either pay them off or they threaten them either explicitly or implicitly. Like, yeah, do you want to, do you want to go to our press junkets? Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't really like you, so how are you going to make us like you? Fuck you, Open Gleberman. Yeah, or they or they flood audience scores. You know, yeah, there's ten thousand plus reviews on uh, you know opening day showing one that doesn't make sense. Yeah, uh, and it's like a hundred percent. So, so yeah, that I mean that is a problem for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, it is unfair to the film itself, right? Because in a sense, the film as a piece of art doesn't have control over that. Mm-hmm. obviously there's producers involved and stuff and, and the whole social political climate um but yeah it's not a 99 metacritic yeah so uh, i for sure i kind of view this movie in in, in 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 like the same vein as coda i think coda is just a I, let me explain this i feel i find like moonlight is like the artsy coda in that like uh-huh. oh okay we see that this person um is critically acclaimed and you know has you know et cetera et cetera so everything that we said about coda and let's give barry jenkins uh better material and more stuff that's that's kind of how i view this movie just as like a viewing experience because as i just don't think this movie is as good as people say yeah you know? um I think this movie's better than Coda. I, no, no, it's definitely. I, I excuse me. I'm trying to view, say. I'm just trying to say that. Um, I feel like it's a stepping stone uh, film for Barry Jenkins' career. That's. Oh yeah. I feel like that's how it kind of yeah, should be I viewed don't... instead of his apex, which no. is definitely going to. It's going to be considered his. You know. You think so? You never know what he's going to do. The guy's relatively young. I mean, when you're coming from the best movie of the 21st century, it's I kind know, of hard but to how go many, down from that. Yeah, but Chris, they could, listen, they could, there could be critics and lists that can shove that bullshit down our throats all they want. Being a little it's facetious. Not gonna, I know. But you know that's not going to stick. I certainly right. hope not. Uh, certainly this is not a director at the height of his powers. You know what I mean? No, and he does, and the thing is, he does do that, some of that, uh, he does some do some of the I'm a young, uh, really good director stuff, 
So mm-hmm. uh, some a little yeah, bit of the, unnes- unnecessary tracking shots sometimes, especially mm-hmm. in the, that beginning scene, uh, which is, you know, technically it's very good. Like, don't right. get me wrong, but like. It's, that, it's, I, it's a show it's show off it's you rather vain independent yeah, filmmaker yeah. stuff uh, i don't and the rack me, focusing right uh, i don't think he does it that much though i find it for the most part tasteful but mm-hmm. i i i mean listen there's superfluous uh yes. filming not, and editing it's not exactly and, and bennett miller where like bennett right. miller is only going to do right 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 the bare bones stuff in his movies and it still works really well because he's a classical filmmaker you know, mm-hmm. you could tell Barry Jenkins uh, grew up watching uh, style, uh, you know, 70s Scorsese movies and early right. Tarantino and, you know, all that. And, Cub- you know, Kubrick. And it was like, you know, I'm going to do my thing, do my thing with certain stuff. Sure. Um, but yeah. You know, some of the cinematography I didn't, you know, I didn't really like either. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the movie I- felt cold to me. Oh, I didn't. And sterile. I, I mean, I just, I completely disagree. I'm on the opposite side of that. I, I think it was the opposite of cold and sterile. That's why mm-hmm. I liked it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think, I'm not going to, I mean, technically it's well done, especially for an independent, but it's, uh, you know, I would never point to a movie like Moonlight as some marvel of technical brilliance as an example of filmmaking brilliance, mm-hmm. technically. Um, you know, there is a messiness to it. It isn't so clean. It, it's, you know there is stylized shots but then when it allows those scenes to breathe it's 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 much more uh simple i thought that's when it's at its best um you ever see the movie george washington no with the four kids yeah. uh david gordon green yeah no i haven't seen it actually i thought that was better than moonlight right i gotta watch that i mean that film is very well acclaimed for an independent yeah. film that's a movie where if it came out in 2016 it would be up for oscars oh for I sure mean, it came out in what like 2000 Two th- yeah he was yeah, he was a very a young guy watch. when he made that yeah right. yeah that's a good movie um, i recommend that yeah um i you know not that you know it it has to do with you know uh young black children george washington mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with gay people but like um there are similarities at least with the first part of moonlight and George Washington. And George Washington, because they're all they're young throughout the whole film. Yes, they're young. Yeah. The kids. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, all right. Well, oh, if you had, uh, what score do you want to give this movie? Well, I was about to ask you. Oh, okay. Uh, 50. 50? Yeah. 82. Chris, you're a homophobe. <laughs> Career's over, pal. <laughs> you're done, buddy. Chris, you don't like black made films. Yeah. Uh, I'm giving this, uh, no, no, you know what? I'm going, I'm sorry. I'm going higher. I'm going a- 85. Okay. That's okay. That's cool. I'm giving it 85. Still less than the 99 perfect movie, but, yes. um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. You liked it. I didn't. I'm giving it 85 for uh, what? It, Cause I'm, I, I want to, again, when I judge films, I judge in the context of, you know, it's the Ebert. Ebert talks about this. I think mm-hmm. it was him where he's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to criticize, uh, what's a fuck like coda yeah. the same way i'm gonna criticize godfather the godfather, or godfather no, and too. i don't think you can you know yeah yeah I don't think so if can. i give coda an 85 which i wouldn't well let's say I, I would give moonlight an 85 and if i gave godfather a 95 you know it's not like oh godfather is 10 points better they're just they're they're there's different criteria for which i judge the film because mm-hmm. it's what are they trying to accomplish what you know what was their goal and mm-hmm. 
Um, I just think Moonlight hits hits all its marks, basically. All right. Um, That's cool. Okay. Uh, well. All right. Well, that was. That was quite civil. We just uh, came. To, I'm interested to see what if other people have comments. What the yeah. what they actually thought about the film. Yeah. So I bet there would be a bit of a split. If uh, you know, if people actually watch this film, because not many people watched Moonlight. Yeah, that's true too. It is on um, Hulu. It's on Hulu. Pre- okay. Hulu Premium. Okay. And Amazon Premium. How did you see? It? Oh, you have. Oh, I because I own this movie. I own a movie I don't like. <laughs> Which is actually not all that uncommon. I have I own a bunch of movies I actually don't like. Yeah, because um, you buy them before you see them. Like yeah, and movies, also because... Like back in the old days. And before HBO Max was a thing, and you have all those cr- old Criterion movies now on, yeah. which is excellent, by the way. Um, that's why it's the, that's also why HBO, HBO Max is the best. Is, is the best. Um, but yeah, like you couldn't find these movies anywhere, so you had to fucking buy them. Right. So like, there's a couple of Criterion movies where I have them, and I'm just like... This movie sucks. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it bores me and I just don't like it. But, you know, that is it is what it is. You know, what are you gonna do? Um so you saw on who I saw it on Blu ray. I own it. Yeah. Um what movie would you like to do next week? Not a long one. This movie wasn't that long. No, no, this wasn't long. It's not even two hours. I don't know. What is it what are some on the list? We went, we did this last week. I know. <laughs> I'm thinking of them like Titanic and Avatar, and I just don't want to watch them. <laughs> That's going to suck. <laughs> they are going to suck. We have to Especially watch them. Especially because I was looking forward to seeing this because I knew I, I knew I liked this film. <laughs> yeah, we are putting ourselves through a gauntlet. We're just watching shit movies. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What do you want to watch? Should we make it a surprise again? Yeah, if you want to, sure. Yeah, I mean, come up, come up with a list because this is going long now. It's going long now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come okay, just listen to us <laughs> jerk around while you look for your list. Okay, scent of a woman. I would like to do scent of a woman if we if you could find how to watch it. Okay, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. No, <laughs> the movie's not important. No one cares about that film. People love it though. Uh, I'm trying to find just best picture nominees. Titanic. Mm-hmm. Uh, sound of music no Django mm-hmm. The Hateful Eight okay keep going those are pretty good everything else is kind of just uh, milk let's do Bohemian Rhapsody how about that you want to do it? <laughs> the movie you just said no one gives a yeah, shit yeah, about. yeah well you just said people care so People really liked it, man. When that movie came out, really? there was there was people that I barely spoke to, like at work and just like outside of work, who were like, "Have you seen Bohemian Rhapsody?" And I'm like, "No." Oh, that was one of the best times I've ever had in a movie theater. Oh wow, Tina liked it too. That movie sucks. So let's let's do that one. Let's do that. I'm interested. So Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. We could t- also there's a lot to talk about the making of that film. By yeah, the way. that's true too. So there's some <laughs> goss we could throw in there. There is. All right. All right. So next week, Bohemian Rhapsody, guys. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Until next time. Bye.